Are you looking to keep up with key trends in the marketplace? Are you striving to maintain your competitive edge at work? Looking for a career change, but unsure about your next move? The Skillshark Podcast is here to help you. Join industry insiders Brian, Todd, and Mike, who will guide you through new strategies for career success. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Skillshark the Podcast. At Podcast Skill to always stay sharp. This podcast is brought to you by Target Talent. Target Talent is a search consulting firm that provides recruitment programs that are flexible to your company's needs. Their talent consultants have deep recruiting experience and industry knowledge. There's nothing more important than to find the right people for any size project you have from beginning to end. Visit Target Talent at www.targatalent.com. That's www.targatalent.com. This talk is about facts and letting facts rule. Welcome to Skillsharp, the podcast, an engaging and interactive analysis of the career marketplace and empowering career strategies to help you achieve your professional dreams. My name is Brian Wright, and on behalf of my partners, Michael Daniels and Todd Nakasoni, we offer 60 years of experience as media industry insiders in the fields of human resources and talent acquisition. Our episode today, because so many of my career coaching clients and even friends I'm supporting all underutilize LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the number one recruiting tool on earth and it has been for the past 10 years. Why don't people use it more often and to its fullest? We will explore that today. But before we jump in to this enriching discussion, please be sure to follow us at Skillshark Podcast or skill-sharppodcast at gmail.com. Let's get into it. When emotions get in the way, we don't think clearly. We've all been through that. When you're dealing with a job search, recent layoff, or trying to advance in your career, it is important to seek facts. So let's get into the facts about LinkedIn. One of the number one websites used 675 million monthly users. 57% of LinkedIn users are men. 43% are women. 30 million companies are on LinkedIn. And if you ask about ad reach, if you advertise on LinkedIn, you will be reaching 12% of the world's population. So with those facts in mind and with all of the employers that are there, why aren't people leveraging LinkedIn to their fullest? That is the question we want to explore today. We will talk about how recruiters and companies leverage LinkedIn. We will go into how candidates can better position themselves to be successful, not only as a passive candidate, but as an active candidate. So Mike and Todd, when you think about LinkedIn, let's go to the beginning. When did you first hear about it? And what was your first, now be honest, what was your first reaction to when you heard LinkedIn coming into the scene? I was an early adopter to LinkedIn. I don't remember the uh, year, but I do remember I was at Warner Brothers, so it had to be somewhere in between 2001 and you know 2006-ish. And as a recruiter, we have contacts that span the range of titles, activities, job foci, et cetera. So an individual that was more of a network marketer introduced me to LinkedIn. And right then I saw the value of it as a recruitment contact management tool. So I sent LinkedIn requests to 
people in my network. And one particular person, or a couple of them, you know, responded right back to me and, and was like, Mike, is this email from you? Because I've never heard of this LinkedIn thing. So this is probably spam. It wasn't spam. So LinkedIn is something that I, I was involved with from the beginning or early stages, I should say. Todd, how about you? I, similar to Mike's story, early adopter, first heard about LinkedIn at Warner Brothers. You know, we were all there at the same time. So I thought, what is this? You know, because back in my day when we were recruiting, we would just call, look up companies in the yellow pages and call into the receptionist and try to get, you know, the the HR manager or the, you know, the, the controller to figure out if I can recruit that person. So when I saw LinkedIn, I go, oh my God, this is going to be changing the market. This is going to be changing our daily dynamic on how we go and find people. So it was like, it's to me, it was a brilliant idea. So I uh, got on it uh, immediately to start to build my network because, um, you know, with regards to the particular industry that we we're in, it was so industry focused. So we, I always wanted to know, you know, who are the influencers in that particular field? Um, so I, I thought it was a, a game changer for me. I was a late adopter. I didn't get into it until 2007, but before that, I remember living and dying in terms of my recruiting searches and going through monster resume search and, and just doing endless searches and looking at not only, you know, some active resumes, but mostly old resumes of sometimes desperate job seekers. And then there were some other sites that, um, you know, we used as well. And I think that's where the concept came up, and I, mean, I guess I give LinkedIn the benefit of this, is they were the first to really emphasize passive candidates. So people that were willing to keep their profiles up and you could contact them, but they weren't looking for jobs. And I think that ended up being a very different tool and talent pool than the monster jobs or the... Um, there was one from, um, goodness, LA Times had one. I mean, it was just like this sea of job posting sites that also had resume databases and they were very expensive. Anyway, LinkedIn um, has definitely been valuable. Now, how did you begin to truly incorporate it into your recruiting processes and then even bring us to today on how effective it is in terms of your recruiting responsibilities day to day? We use uh, LinkedIn as a secondary pool of candidates, especially the passive candidate market. By being able to review an individual's background, we can see if there might be a fit to our role and uh, a role that we're actually recruiting for actively. So not just relying on the folks who apply to an opportunity, you know, that whole post and pray uh, methodology, but to actually go out and find people, uh, you know, like what us as recruiters are normally trained to do. Um, we looked at LinkedIn as a, uh, the global Rolodex, if you want to call it that. Todd, what's your split of time doing direct sourcing, which is what you're saying about going after passive candidates or the post and pray process? Yeah, so some of the positions I know I have to go out and do a lot of LinkedIn sourcing and uh, marketing of my role. Uh, so if it's a difficult to find position, uh, you know, with a lot of uh, characteristics that, you know, uh, a hiring manager is looking for, I know I have to go out into the market. So I recently did a search for a controller and, uh, you know, they wanted somebody specifically with uh, software as a service background 
or monthly subscription revenue. And I used LinkedIn as a way to add additional uh, potential candidates to my call list and then, you know, looked at folks who actually applied. But, you know, uh, folks that applied that were in the specific or had the specific skill sets, I'd say, let's say 5% of the 50 people that applied. Well, you know, I had to go ahead and add additional candidates who I thought could actually do the job and market it. So turn them into a passive candidate, into an active candidate. And Mike, you being an expert in technical recruiting, how has LinkedIn played a key role in that process for you over the years? In my experience, LinkedIn has evolved uh, into a tool that's, in my experience, primarily used by recruiters, salespeople, individuals that are trying to reach out to individuals to get them to make some type of buying decision, whether it's a, a product, service, uh, or you know, a, a job at a particular company, uh, career opportunity. So for me, technical individuals on LinkedIn uh, are not as prevalent as some others, and they may not be as responsive as others uh, would be to uh, a recruiter outreach. So LinkedIn definitely is a, a tool that needs to be used. However, from a technology professional perspective, useful for lack of better term as some other tools may be. So let's do a quick deeper dive into that because what, what's interesting about what you're saying is from a transactional getting recruited, um, presenting your information and standing out there are likely other tools that are better for the technical professional, correct? Agreed. So my question to you is in terms of community and even where people aren't actively looking, but they're sharing ideas or talking about, um, you know, different industry trends, even just joining, you know, people that are graduating from certain schools or industry associations. Do you also find that the, fellowship and communal side of LinkedIn is beneficial at all? So LinkedIn has groups. I'm a member of, of many LinkedIn groups. So it is beneficial when you are a part of a group that has an active community or uh, an active leader, if you will. Um, if it's just a group that may not be as active as another, um, then that to me, hasn't been as uh, useful. Understood. Yeah, I, I, I'll give you an example. I have a friend, um, Joseph Banda, who um, I met through National Society of Black Engineers. And he actually on his own started a LinkedIn group. And obviously it started with maybe, you know, a few people, um, I think 10 years ago. And now it's up to 7,000 people. And so that's that leader that you're talking about, Mike, someone that took the initiative to, you know, uh, start conversation and engage people and invite people to his group. But now he essentially has an active recruiting source, you know, for people to leverage. It, again, it just depends on um, the makeup of people and, and how they use it. And that's that's the power of LinkedIn is that it is it is very malleable and flexible. It's not going to be all things to all people, but it does give you somewhat of a blank canvas or a series of templates that can be used. It's almost like, you know, you could follow their template and what they're offering you. You could decide to paint it a different way. 
but the key is that kind of power and that that flexibility that it offers you. In terms of your companies, I know most of you have used a tool called LinkedIn Recruiter. Can you give us some insight into that? How it's used, how effective um, has it been for you in the past, and maybe where it's going? Yeah, LinkedIn Recruiter is a great example of getting access to premium content. And a lot of the premium content would be actual contact information for a first level contact that you might have in your LinkedIn uh, sphere of influence, if you want to call it that. So anytime I get a, a connection to somebody, a first level connection to somebody on LinkedIn, if they have contact information, phone number, email, uh, you know, I can contact them directly uh, outside of LinkedIn or, you know, LinkedIn Recruiter allows us to, to also send a message to, I think, first through third level connections. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you pay a fee for that by uh, subscribing to LinkedIn Recruiter. But it gives you that open dialogue and communication to get to the right candidates, and and vice versa. So a candidate can reach me, you know, on LinkedIn. They have uh, you know access to me as a single level connection. So most people don't realize that once you connect with somebody as a first degree connection, if you under in their profile, there will be an area that says contact info. And if you click on that, you'll usually get not only their personal email or whatever email that they have listed so you can get more information on them, Twitter handles, et cetera. And I think that goes underutilized. So that, that's a great uh, learning point. I appreciate you bringing that up. Uh, Mike, what, what is your on LinkedIn recruiter and, you know, its effectiveness and, and where it's headed? Well, if you networking is something that we discuss frequently um, it's skill sharp and skill sharp the podcast so if you understand the networking process and if you want to uh, increase uh, your network having a linkedin profile is something that is is very very useful uh, now moving over to the premium side of of linkedin linkedin recruiter um it offers a bit of for lack of better term privacy so if a recruiter or someone is doing some research on quote unquote regular LinkedIn, um, a, a user can set their preferences to know every time somebody is trolling uh, LinkedIn. Now, as far as going to LinkedIn recruiter, uh, a recruiter can be a little more, they, there's a little, there, there's more privacy in, in LinkedIn recruiter. So a prospective candidate can feel um, a little more protected uh, because, you know, he or she uh, may not want individuals in their network or certainly uh, individuals in their current organization to know that, that she's looking uh, for a role. So it offers that level of privacy. And again, if you're in the marketplace, uh, LinkedIn is is one of the better tools that you can use just to maintain uh, your networking, to open up the door for networking and to let people know that uh, you're open uh, to have those types of conversations. You know, you bring up a great point and, and guys, correct me if I'm wrong, chime in. When you post, you put your resume in the system, you can list not to have your current company or, or see that you're open to opportunities, I believe. Yeah, that's correct. On your public profile, it doesn't show that you're currently in the market. However, in LinkedIn or as a LinkedIn recruiter subscriber, if I, let's say, go to your LinkedIn profile, Brian, and you say, hey, I'm, I'm open to new opportunities, 
I could see that as a LinkedIn recruiter subscriber. So that's part of the premium content that, you know, we would get access to. And that's where becoming well-versed in LinkedIn um, is going to help you in more ways than one. And what I mean by this is as a, a corporate recruiter, let's use the example of me recruiting for XYZ company and I'm on LinkedIn recruiter and I'm doing some searches of individuals that are open to new opportunities, which is a search parameter that I can use up will come individuals that are open to new opportunities. Now as an internal recruiter for XYZ company, I now can see that the financial analyst that sits around the corner from me at XYZ company is open to new opportunities. So as a proactive recruiter, I can take that information because it is public. That person actually put that information about themselves online. I can take that information to that person's manager and say, hey, did you know that John Smith is looking for new opportunities? So you've got to really understand uh, the functionality of LinkedIn so as not to be in a precarious situation. Yeah, definitely maintaining discretion is is important. I, you know, let me ask you this. When it comes to putting yourself out there, I feel like LinkedIn provides a little bit of cover. Now, some people are worried that what will my employer think if I'm linking with people or sending requested people that are at competitors or other companies. But the whole purpose of LinkedIn is to network. So I mean, feel like there is a little bit of people's use of LinkedIn and it doesn't always mean that you're out shopping for a new job. Yeah, that's a good question because uh, sometimes you have to be uh, under the radar. Um, I don't know. There's, I think because there's a way for individuals to block people from seeing their network. And by doing so, you know, you have a little bit of cover that way. But you're right. You've got to know and understand a lot of the tools because there's a lot more tools and features when we first started using LinkedIn than they, you know, versus what they have now. So let me ask a question. As a recruiter, what are some deal breakers for you on people's LinkedIn profiles? What what would make you not want to click on them and make a connection? Let's face it. Now, LinkedIn is social media. Now, when LinkedIn initially was formed, it wasn't. It's was more of a, a contact management database, um, but now it's social media. So clearly, an individual who's using LinkedIn, as someone may use a TikTok or something like this, um, that com- a complete a complete uh, deal breaker. Uh, LinkedIn, from my perspective, oh, you said TikTok. That's a leap. <laughs> I love that. LinkedIn, from my perspective, is a professional tool. So profile picture should, you know, certainly not be something that you would use in something that wasn't as as professional um, or that would not show you in the most professional light, et cetera. Some of the things that you post, um, you know, let's face it, uh, we're living in a, a very, very politically charged time right now. Uh, so something that you may post on Facebook um, or Instagram that's dealing with the current um, politics, 
may not necessarily go over well on a LinkedIn because, you know, Todd and I've worked for organizations and you too, Brian, that part of the background check process is checking an individual's social media presence. So if you drop something uh, on a LinkedIn that might be considered um, controversial, that, that, that could be a, uh, a red flag. Yeah, I've seen it too, where some of the messaging that goes back and forth, they're like shaming them online through LinkedIn. And there's no place for that because of more, it's a more of a professional networking social media outlet. So we do look at that uh, to, uh, to a certain extent. And um, also too, you know, the type of uh, profile that they provide, if there's a, you know, detailed list of their accomplishments and, you know, it kind of looks like a resume, hey, maybe uh, that individual is on the market or, you know, if the information is thin, it's like, well, you know, how much do they, uh, how, how motivated are they to, you know, changing companies, changing opportunities? So, uh, you know, we do look at, uh, you know, the presence online. Yeah, I think LinkedIn's taking great pains to provide various buckets or sec- sections that can be used by candidates to, to your to both of your points, create a better marketing tool for professional brands. So where you can post now presentations that you've done in the past, or obviously articles that you've written. Um, it, it even is, is tracking activities. So it, you're a professional accountant, let's say, and it's showing through your activity that you're identifying articles that also support your continuous learning in that space, whether it be gap principles or other things, that's going to go into that professional brand. And we're going to say, hey, they're really on it. But if it's also, to Mike's point, forwarding TikTok uh, dances or um, you know, new music or, or other things. Um, I think that's where um, a lot of people trip up and it's unintentional, unintentional, but it happens and you will get nixed very quickly. Are there other bad practices that we could point to um, that we've seen that we would definitely recommend people don't follow? I think too much information about your personal habits. In other words, I don't know, maybe you volunteer at the, you know, uh, was it the animal shelter? Fine. But, you know, if you're spending a lot of time just watching TV all day, you know, and, and not using that in your, in your, in your job, I mean, you know, how motivated is somebody or just stuff that's, you know, personal doesn't need to be on LinkedIn at all. Again, it's, it's, it's using LinkedIn as if it were another social media platform. And there's a difference and there are applications now where an individual can link the posts that she sends to say Instagram, those posts will go to all of her social media. So things like this, we need to be aware of. So uh, anyone that knows me well, you know, knows I like rum. I like cigars, but I'm not necessarily, if I'm smoking a cigar and sipping on some rum, I may post that as my current situation on another social media site, not necessarily LinkedIn. Yeah. Maybe it's on Twitter or right. Yelp. Right. Um, right. Yeah. I've seen it where, you know, some of those protesters in Charlottesville a few years back, they found that person on LinkedIn. Ooh, see what I mean? 
Oh yeah. And they lost their jobs because of that, because they knew they found out where they worked on LinkedIn. Bingo. So California, among other states, ganja is legal, but I wouldn't necessarily, you know, if I'm partaking, which I don't, but if I'm partaking, I'm not going to, mm-hmm. I'm not going to post that. Wow. I heard. <laughs> <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm partaking, I'm not necessarily going to post that. Well, I'm not going to post right. that on the LinkedIn. Now, now one thing you could do just to flip this a little bit and to make it a little bit more interactive is that if you were, see, you're, you're, you're way out that ganja, but no, 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 I'm going back to the cigar. You could join a cigar group, like a cigar lovers group on LinkedIn. And I'm just saying from a, from a networking standpoint, being able to connect with other people that may also like cigars, but are professionals, right? Is a good way of, of networking and, and kind of staying in your lane and, and where your knowledge base is, you know, showing some versatility in your background. So bringing, um, the, the use of, um, LinkedIn up one more time. So I feel like, the, as a strategy, LinkedIn is trying to create more of a social feel to this. So a lot of people are following their feeds on LinkedIn and it becomes, you know, a pseudo news, you know, source. But, you know, I, I guess, well, you know, the one thing I didn't bring up, I just want to bring up one of my pet peeves about LinkedIn is people's photos. You know, I think people don't take enough time to understand how they can present themselves in the most professional way with the photo. And it doesn't have to be professional. I'm just saying, come on, there's just certain aesthetics that you want to maintain when you're, when you're a professional, right? So the fact that people don't follow that is really unnerving. Um, but then that also goes to their feeds is that Maybe just click, click, clicking and, and liking and liking and everything. All of that activity is tracked. Now, you could choose, you know, in your privacy settings, whether you show that. But again, a lot of people don't know that there are privacy settings. <laughs> so they're, <laughs> they're, they're they're leaving themselves wide open. So under the settings uh, section, uh, you know, under your name, you can adjust many different areas of how people see your profile, um, what activities tracked, et cetera. I mean, it's, it's like a, a really big section that people should know about, but, um, just posing a question to you guys, do you follow feeds and kind of go through and, you know, leverage a lot of that, or is it purely just kind of targeted recruiting support? I mean, how much are you personally using LinkedIn to your benefit? I use it every day. I look at the feeds. I look at job opportunities. Yeah, I definitely follow um, certain companies. I follow certain influencers. I, I always look at their feeds almost every day uh, t- to get caught up on messages and what have you, because I do send out a lot of messages through LinkedIn. Um, but I also, uh, you know, post a lot of jobs and, uh, you know, I want people to uh, view my feeds as well. So I think, you know, you have that uh clicking back and forth. So, you know, uh, a lot of your feeds actually get brought up to the top. So, you know, being relevant, you know, daily, I think it's, uh, it's very helpful. Yeah. LinkedIn can be used as a uh, great source of information and data industry news. So certainly uh, tracking feeds and uh, being known as a subject matter expert in your field, you can certainly brand yourself on LinkedIn. So if there are certain feeds that uh, you know that many people in your industry would be interested in, 
you can follow those feeds. And if you see something that you believe will be valuable uh, to that marketplace or to that niche, that tribe, you can uh, repost it. And lo and behold, you may soon be a LinkedIn influencer or at the very least, someone that uh, many other people at LinkedIn uh, track because they know you're going to be a source of uh, relevant information. That's great. Yeah, that's the one thing that um, I think is overlooked as well is that pages and, you know, as a recruiter goes, I often leverage, you know, especially when I know that there's a company page and it shows me all of the candidates that I may be linked to that work at that company. And it even shows kind of their top officers or, you know, active people on LinkedIn. So again, you know, that's just another tool that, um, you know, can be utilized by not only candidates, but by recruiters. Um, are there other secrets, final secrets on the recruiter and company side that you would want to share, Mike? From the perspective of building uh, your profile, uh, you know, the, the profile is just like a resume as a recruiter, not going to spend much time on it. So if you can have things that are relevant to what it is that you do or what it is that you're looking for right up front. So there's a description, you know, next to your picture. So if you are a Java developer, you could say you could write something uh, about your Java development skills right there uh, on the top. And then there are individuals that, you know, will give you maybe uh, two or three short sentences about them as an individual. So um, skilled Java developer, also QA loves Taco Tuesday. Okay, so now you made it a little bit light. So now, okay, okay, this person seems pretty in interesting. I'm going to scroll through uh, their profile. Now, in your uh, description or summary area, you can put in there the types of technologies that you've worked with, uh, what you liked about uh, certain technologies, and what you're looking to do next, and then express. Um, what you've done in the past. So just trying to find a way to quickly tell your story and brand yourself, I believe is something that people can take uh, more time with as far as their LinkedIn profile is concerned. Hello, foolish mortals and ghoulish delights. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you would also enjoy listening to audiobooks while in the car, at the gym, or hanging out at your favorite ghoulish cafe. Whether you want to get motivated in the morning or learn something new anytime, you can listen across all your devices with the Audible app and never lose your place. As the largest producer and provider of spoken word entertainment, Audible has genre-bending Audible originals, binge-worthy audiobooks, an exclusive podcast to add to your library. Discover the perks of membership and unlock a listen for every moment and never lose your place. Download the Audible app today at www.audibletrial.com forward slash skill sharp for your free 30-day trial. Once again, that's www.audibletrial.com forward slash skill sharp for your free 30-day trial. Stay sharp. That's a great segue. Let's let's talk more about candidates and how they can enhance and optimize their their profiles. So do I mean, I'm hoping do people realize that we're still doing keyword searches to find them on LinkedIn? I, I hope so. I would hope. Uh, but you know what? That question elicits a response that, you know, maybe there are some people out there that, that aren't aware of this. 
Um, so that's a critical point for anyone who's listening to this to realize that the words that you use in your LinkedIn profile are searchable uh, by anybody on LinkedIn. Yeah, so even from an interest standpoint, you know, I think all of those end up coming up as well. Uh, the other part that I think is um, really interesting that not a lot of people think about is when you are setting up your profile, there are areas where, um, you know, you could literally list out your specific skills and other people can weigh in on those and say, yeah, I've also witnessed that from candidate X. And so they have filmmaking skills or, you know, accounting skills, finance, reporting, you know, it's, it's very granular. And it also goes up to kind of the 30,000 foot competency level, you know, of candidates. Um, it's not always something that people recognize. They may get it every once in a while, but they don't always know that that a new way that they can build out their profile. LinkedIn has started to transition into um, active training. And it's very smart on their part because what they're doing is they're also leveraging subject matter experts within the LinkedIn communities and tasking them with leading different trainings or workshops. They're also recording those trainings. So it's, it's become a knowledge base. So from a whether you're a passive candidate or, you know, someone that's actively looking, they're actually giving you tools to do the entire ecosystem of the employment cycle. So, you know, managing your brand, you know, identifying contacts, but let's, you know, let's talk about reaching out to people. I think people find that challenging. Number one, how to send, you know, the initial LinkedIn invitations and what to say in those, as well as how to follow up and best engage people moving forward. Are there any best practices that you all could share in that initial reach out, especially since as recruiters, you have to do it so often? Yeah, I think a uh, good point, Brian, because uh, a lot of times people don't know what to say in these uh Hey, I want to connect with you. I think if you have something relevant or maybe um, you went to the same college or same school or from the same area and can just say, Hey, I want to expand my network and uh, be, you know, be part of your network. I think that's one of, one of the areas where people can kind of uh, find some common ground uh, to be part of somebody else's network in a first degree contact. And they have those templates, right. In, in, in LinkedIn that that'll help you write that. If you don't know what, you know, how to write that particular, uh, uh, connection request. Yeah. Part of my description as a recruiter, right, is to reach out to people. And there's still, I still have consternation at times when it comes to reaching out to individuals. I'm a human being, right? So I can understand how an individual can be reluctant uh, to reach out to someone. Uh, and as a recruiter, someone sends me a LinkedIn request, it behooves me to accept it. So I can't be as critical with respect to an individual's message as, you know, someone who may not be uh, a recruiter. But what I can uh, offer is, A, be authentic, be yourself. Uh, B, I think it's always better to give than it is to receive. So what I mean by that is when you're reaching out to someone, you know, try to make the connection based on what might be important to that individual that you're reaching out to, as opposed to what, what you want from that individual. 
Mike, I'm reaching out to you because I know you're a recruiter and uh, you know people that with, with jobs and I want a job. So let's connect as opposed to, you know what, Mike, I've seen your background. You went to this university. You do these things. That, that sounds very, very interesting. As a matter of fact, I'm attaching this link to an article about uh, Belizean rum. All right. You know what? I'm going to connect with that person because he or she is giving with an intent to receive, but it's an, it's, it's an authentic give as well. You all know that person that you only hear from when they're looking for something. Right. And for me, I re, I may reply to that person with some reluctance as opposed to someone who I feel really cares about me as an individual, not just the fact that I can offer them something. Hey man, careers made by giving. I love it. I, I think it's it's absolutely critical, and and that's the brand that you really want out there, right? So more people will um, engage you. Um, Todd, what are um, some best practices that you, that you would share? Yeah, same thing uh, with Mike. I would definitely echo that. It's always a give and take. Always want to put stuff out there in the ether, and stuff will come back to you. One window closes, another one's going to open up, and uh, you know it, it doesn't necessarily have to be where you know, you're providing uh, insight about, you know, your background, but, you know, maybe it's about somebody's company. Hey, saw that you had a great second quarter and just wanted to congratulate you. You know, just want to get back on your radar. Let's um, let's let's uh, follow up next week and connect for about 10 minutes. And, uh, you know, uh, networking tool uh, LinkedIn is so valuable for us recruiters. And, you know, for candidates that are actually on the market or, you know, want to learn about a new company, maybe I want to get into the, uh, electronic or electric car boom, you know, uh, you know, reach out to my buddy who's at one of the electric car companies and just get caught up and see what's going on in his day. How, you know, maybe he just had a a new kid or whatever. And, you know, just kind of keep it on a personal level. And then the giving, the giving also includes in your own profile. If you had some, if you've done something notable at work, Put that in your update. Put that. It doesn't have to be a promotion. It could. Do, it could be. You know. You, you came up with a, a better, faster, uh, less expensive way to do things, and you were recognized for it. So putting that type of information in your profile is actually giving as well, because now I, as a recruiter, can see that, and I can see. You know, this person is on the ball. Uh, this person may have some valuable skills that they can bring into the organization that I'm recruiting for. That's a great point. And, and even kind of following people that are just doing positive things and um, being able to um, support them as far as, you know, the whole likes and um, comments and supportive nature. I mean, I think that's LinkedIn has become an extremely affirming network. And obviously, if you can stand out in that situation, you get a lot of that value. So I, I did want to bring up one um, final point, and it, and it kind of speaks to something that you guys have been alluding to throughout. But so there are subject matter experts out there. There are new companies that are doing great things. There are emerging industries. I wonder, and I should pose this more as a question, but why don't people use LinkedIn as an actual research resource more versus just looking at it as a surface social media opportunity. I just think being unfamiliar with what LinkedIn can do. And maybe they're in a job. They just didn't feel it was necessary to do all the networking. Gosh, I worked with somebody over at uh, Universal who'd been at Universal for 15, 20 years. 
and she wasn't on LinkedIn. And at the time I, we were there, you know, her job was safe, but you know, new management came in, Comcast bought NBC Universal, and then, you know, she got another assignment. And then lo and behold, I think maybe two or three years later, she got laid off. But thank God she had her LinkedIn profile up and she, I think she landed relatively quickly. But before that, you know, being at Universal for 15 years when, you know, LinkedIn was just getting started, she had no idea what LinkedIn was. And I believe that the strategic individuals in the marketplace are using LinkedIn um, as a source of uh, information, data, and research. Because again, let's face it, at the end of the day, in most of our jobs, data and information is all we have. And we have to find a way to extract that, what's beneficial to us and our organization, and, and use that in a way that we can execute um, tasks that are going to you know, push everything forward. So those who are strategic, and even us as recruiters, we have to be creative in, in the way that uh, we're looking at LinkedIn. We may not necessarily be after the person whose profile we're looking at, but we're going to look at the people that have referred this person, written recommendations on LinkedIn, or find a way to tap into his or her network to find what we're looking for. So those individuals who can use that creativity um, in their data extraction and, and data amassing functions uh, are always going to be uh, ahead of the game. And I think we're going to leave it there. Well said. I feel like we've touched on some critical points for people to understand not only how do companies and recruiters leverage LinkedIn to its fullest, and obviously they're paying a pretty big chunk of money to be in the space. Um, so let me just leave you with this one tip. When you're looking at job postings on LinkedIn, that does not define all the job postings at a company, but it may spur you to go to that company site and uh, research more of what job openings that they have. And the reason being is that LinkedIn recruiter jobs are not cheap. And I think um, so you want to do a couple of things. You want to make yourself as attractive as you can as a passive candidate so recruiters can find you. I also think you want to be networked and have the right activity and the right professional brand presented. So when you connect with people or you're actively pursuing what your professional dreams are, you're in the best possible position to do that. And obviously, if there's any gap in what you want to achieve and where you are using LinkedIn as a research source, as Mike was saying, a deep research source to understand what the best practices are by companies, by individuals, or trends that are going on in a specific functional area or industry, um, you could not find a better source of information at your fingertips. This has been Decoding LinkedIn on the Skillsharp podcast. Thank you for listening to Skillsharp, the podcast. Send your questions and comments to podcast at skill-sharp.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Skillsharp1 or visit us online at www.skill-sharp.com. This is Mike Daniels signing off for Todd Nagasone, Brian Wright, Alyssa Pruitt, Will Kelso, and the rest of the team at Skillsharp Studios. Until next time, stay sharp.